Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert, Don Pizzette. Security specialist, Daniel Lowry. And Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, and I am joined by the one and only Don Pizzette. Don, how are you? I am doing great. Uh, another great episode lined up for us here. We've got a phenomenal guest who's going to be talking about Cisco, and I'm kind of kind of excited about the news. There's not any you know, amazing breakthrough technology, but a whole lot of weird stuff yeah, going on a in the world of technology. Right, there's a headline right next to me on the screen that says, Boiling Liquid Servers, that I cannot wait to get to. But we'll talk about <laughs> that in a little bit. And Daniel, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing great. It's funny. It must be one of those weird days, because right before we started, for whatever reason, the thought of Gremlins 2 and the female Gremlin... And how she had all oh, the lipstick yeah. and the fake wig and everything on. It just That image just popped in my head right before we started for whatever reason. And that's the character you're going to portray this episode? Absolutely. <laughs> it's disturbing. It's very disturbing. It's disturbing. And uh, we are joined also, we, uh, we've had a lot of Cisco guests recently. We and we, we have yet another one this week. Uh, it is Utkar Srivastava, who is joining us all the way from India. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, how are you guys doing? Uh, we are great, and we're excited to uh, to talk Cisco yet again. And you have a, uh, a a pretty interesting background and a lot of stuff going on. So I want to get right into it because I want to find out how you have time for all the stuff that you do. So let's jump in with our first segment, Rapid Fire Questions. Who do you work for? What's new? Who are you? What's happening? What's wrong with you? All right, Utkarsh, in our first segment here, we're going to rapid-fire questions at you. You will have approximately one minute to answer each. You'll see a little counter appear on your screen. If it reaches zero, you will get buzzed by Peter, something like this. There we go. And then we'll move on to the next question. Uh, our first question is going to come at you from Peter, and then we'll rotate through each of us from there. So your role at Cisco is listed as network consultant, but it sounds pretty complicated based on some of the things that you're working on. So can you tell us a little bit about what it is that you do for Cisco right now? Yeah, so that's the you know best part about Cisco. It gives you so many opportunities, even within a specific domain to work upon. So in my current role, I'm responsible for driving multiple automation um, initiatives within the organization. And I also play a, a pivotal role in conducting uh, periodic business reviews with customers by defining and tracking their uh, outcome-oriented KPIs and in the planning of their contract renewals and business upsells. Also within the organization, uh, my corpus of work extends from incorporation of uh, network automation capabilities and uh, network analytics in general. Now, artificial intelligence, machine learning, those are huge buzzwords right now. I think people getting into technology right now, starting their career, look at that and say, all right, that's a, that's a career I can move forward in. But I, I know you've been doing this for a little while, so you kind of got in before it really became popular. What, what was your path there? Like, what got you into AI and ML? Yeah, I mean, that's a really smart question, by the way. You you ask multiple questions within one. So, <laughs> so since beginning, you know, I mean, I had this analytical bent and curiosity towards uh, uh, data and insights. So I was most intri mostly intrigued by the fact that, uh, I mean, how data analytics and MLAI frameworks can, you know, help in transforming the, whether it be digital finance, healthcare, operational management and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I, I pursued this path and later on, I know uh, I went on to study about the big data frameworks like Hadoop and Spark as well. And, you know, <clears throat> got an opportunity to even author a couple of books on big data and cloud computing and which in turn got me opportunities to uh, deliver uh, multiple tech talks as well on global forums like uh, Google Sweden and Cisco, IEEE, et cetera. So, yeah, it, it, it has been an interesting journey and uh, Cisco has been a great support in this journey. Well, I'm glad to see that you're, uh, you know, just wasting your time with all that stuff. So. <laughs> uh, and uh, speaking of your time, I, I understand you spend a, a bit of it you, doing some mentoring. It'll be interesting to hear, how did you get into that? What does that look like for you? Um, so I would say this goes back to uh, 2000, I guess. Uh, so th that that was a really a pathetic year for me. I, I lost my mom at that uh, year and I was just six years old. And, and that's how early I was exposed to the worldly realities. So uh, me and my dad and family members, you know, had to go through a lot of social and financial issues and whatnot. But personally, I never gave up. And, you know, eventually I found some amazing mentors at most stages of my life. So, you know, that's how I try to give back to the society in my little possible ways. 
of mentoring and supporting. So uh, currently, I'm part of an NGO where I treat uh, where where I teach the underprivileged uh, kids through uh, online portals, and then I develop the training modules and contents for them as well. And I also uh, you know train developers and business communities uh, on the data technologies and uh, its implementation in their organizations. Well, that's a great way to uh, to pay it forward there. So uh, I appreciate that. And one of the things that that you do also to kind of uh, share your knowledge is you have your own podcast, the uh, Inspirational Leaders Podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Is it just specific to to IT and the things you're working on, or or is it just general leadership? Oh yeah, uh, it, it it definitely goes beyond the IT boundaries. So. In my opinion, uh, leadership is an art, I mean, which knows no boundaries. It can be possessed and exercised at any age and in at any front in any form. So I, I have multiple shoots lined up till early June with leaders from uh, multiple uh, industry sectors. And hopefully I can provide some uh, thoughtful content for my audience. Now, I want to kind of circle back real quick to the AI ML discussion because it's something that does pique my interest a little bit. So now that I've got you here in front of me, I want to ask you the question. It seems like it might take a, a, a whole string of different uh, higher math degrees to get into AI and ML. Is that, the, is that just a misnomer? Am I just overreading the situation? Is it a lot simpler than that, or is that just kind of the landscape of it? No, no, I think that's the you know most commonly perceived uh, conception out there uh, in public. So there are two aspects to it. I mean, if you see it from a perspective of understanding the problem statement and uh, how, how you come up with solutions for that, that is one aspect of it, which doesn't require any technical expertise, let's say for, um, you know, uh, tons of codes or statics and algebra and whatnot. But if you see the other part of it where you are actually implementing those processes and models, uh, you need to have those technical expertise to write those codes and uh, test those models and come up with, uh, you know, the performance issues and uh, evolution of those models. So those are the two aspects of it. And it depends on w which one you are part of. I still wouldn't recommend it for you. No, Damn. no. <laughs> uh, higher math degrees for me is like after fifth grade. So, yeah, I'm good. I've seen you try to calculate the tip at a restaurant. <laughs> it's so... You take money, right? Uh, you can't divide by zero? What? Yeah. <laughs> Whose dumb idea was this? Well, uh, just just in talking to you there in those five minutes, I mean, we heard buzzwords like machine learning, uh, AI, big data. I don't think we got into blockchain, but I saw that was on, on some of your back, uh, your, your history there. But uh, I think it, it's the perfect segment to go into our next one, which is uh, buzzword breakdown. Success. Virus. Server. Pop three. Password. Cyber bullying. Say what? All right, so you wrote a blog post over at blogs.cisco.com uh, under the analytics and automation section called Ethics of Artificial Intelligence. And I didn't know that there were ethics in artificial intelligence, <laughs> but I'm basing that on uh, the Terminator movies uh, franchise <laughs> where they just kind of you know went crazy. But uh, can you give us kind of a little, little bit of an overview of, of what this blog post is about and, uh, and what you were trying to get across with this? Sure, absolutely. And and that's the most common perception out there in public as well, you know, ethics and that too in artificial intelligence. And people say, what bullshit? What are you talking about? Let's get <laughs> artificial intelligence implemented and let later we'll talk about the ethics part of it. But uh, let, let's take a step back and try to see what is basically artificial intelligence meant to or what is it intended to achieve as 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 a generic uh, uh, definition by if, if you go by the definition, it says that it is a simulation of human intelligence on machines that is programmed to think like humans and mimic their actions. Now, just hold on your thoughts for a second and just think about this question. What is the probability that these machines won't harm humans or other morally relevant beings in future? Does that scare you? Does that ring a bell? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and again, that's only based on movies. I, I think it was iRobot was right. the one where they talked about the rules, like I the first rule. I thought about uh, Silicon Valley where Guilfoyle had created an AI and it started deleting their code because he told him, find the bugs and delete, delete the and bugs in the code. Bugs. And it's, it came up with the answer of, there's no way to delete the bugs without deleting the code, so I must delete the code. Smart. Yeah. And it... <laughs> It would do that to us. <laughs> well, you know, and, and in terms of these rules, I think of AI and ML as a fairly new technology, but Isaac Asimov wrote his rules for iRobot. That was back in the 1950s, I think he wrote wow. that. Yeah. So people have been thinking about this for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the reason, you know, I mean, most of these organizations have started to talk about this. And uh, even, even if you type on your favorite search engine, right, greatest, greatest leaders of all time, 
just just try to analyze the results which you get the list of the uh, search results which you get is mostly you know the world's most prominent male personalities so uh, i mean so so uh, what could be the reason that you know we have a lower count on the uh, women side of it especially the frameworks of ai and ml needs to uh, address these issues and you know try to mitigate the gender biases and not only this i mean this has been supported by studies from uh, uh, mit as well where you know couple of professors have conducted these research and tried to come up with a, a, a survey results as well as conclusions from these studies stating that you know there are a lot of uh, biases which are being created by these um, ai frameworks so uh, it, it has multiple industry use cases as uh, as for, it ranges from you know context aware marketing to sales forecasting conversational ai and you know it is also used in credit scoring drug testing pregnancy monitoring self driving cars i mean it's an even it's a never ending list right so considering like uh, what is the importance of these technologies and how varied these use cases are it's high time that we start talking about it and you know we start coming up with frameworks where you know these things can be imp- implemented at the grassroots level so that we ensure that uh, we don't end up in end up in a situations like you just uh, recited about in the movies as well right mm-hmm. so uh, that's that that was the thought process behind this uh, blog post so you know i, I have a few ai ethical issues cuz i you know a few all right so <laughs> so we have the uh, amazon echoes in the house and and you know you talk to them and i don't i don't think of them as sentient beings or anything so i have berated mine on a few occasions and said said things you wouldn't necessarily say to a human being so uh, and, and my my oldest son had come to me with a genuine concern one day about like do, do we need to be afraid of robots and i said well, let me show you how afraid you should be. Let's ask Siri a question. And then she came back with a nonsensical answer. And I'm like, if this is your enemy, I think you're going to be okay. But th- there's got to be some point where we reach a level where AI becomes like an, an actual, I, I don't want to go all out, like sentient or whatever, yeah. where you need to behave and be nice to it. Well, right? and, and then there's also, I, I'd heard that, uh, I don't know if it was Google or somebody had created uh, a couple of AI uh, personalities, I guess, to encrypt messages and they say and then they have a third one that's trying to decrypt the messages and they said your two job is to make sure that this third one can't read the messages and they ultimately created an encryption even we couldn't decrypt Hmm. and they were like we have to shut this off because if they keep going they'll be able to send messages i think i saw what they're saying that was a jamie fox movie right it was a (laughs) (laughs) that was real Well, so so you have uh, there's five points in here, kind of a checklist in, in the, the blog post you wrote. Are those kind of your suggestions for um, kind of a, a beginner's approach to to getting in there and understanding the, the ethics? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, see, so each of these AI models, I mean, they have a performance metrics. And until unless we have a tracking mechanism to say that, you know, what are the success metrics? How are we ensuring about data privacy and how are we trying to you know, incubate the fairness testing as well in the model right at the development phase. Because uh, being being in the uh, tech world, right, we are more concerned about, you know, what is the accuracy of our model? What is the precision of our model? How well it is performing? But we never bother to, you know, uh, give a thought about the fairness testing. I mean, so how fair is it, uh, you know, producing the results or judging the outcomes compared to what a human would have done at the same situation, right? So it, it, it's more of, a, you know, in, incorporating the moral values as well and, you know, trying to come come up with solutions which are more ethical at that point of time, considering the perspectives of individuals as humans as well. Are, and are, then evaluating these performances over a periodic period. Of, uh, over are, a period. are most AIs, uh, when they do program some sort of ethics system into them, are they moral relativists or are they absolute moralists? Currently, as we speak, uh, we we do see a scarcity in that phase because it's more about you know how how precise your model is and how accurate the results are coming. But th- that that's something which we need to you know uh, think about and start incorporating them. You know, it was just a couple of years ago that Microsoft ran into this with their Cortana, right? <laughs> if you Google the headline, Cortana is a racist. Oh, yeah. uh, they, oh right. So they, yeah. they had released it with the model, and people found where if they interacted with it a certain way, they could make it start to act racist. And they got it saying some really awful things. Yeah. So that, that was just maybe two or three years ago. Uh, and and uh, Utkarsh, you, you've been in the industry this time. So have you seen a lot of progress since then, or is it still an, an uphill battle? Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely there's progress, but you know, I mean, so that's what I mentioned earlier as well, considering the 
uh, wide use cases of these technologies in across multiple industry sectors, uh, we need to up the pace. So that's that's all about it. We need to up the pace, considering the fact that you know uh, what kind of varied use cases it have. So definitely there has been progress, but yeah, uh, there's much more we can uh, bring to the plate. Yeah, there was another one like that where it was a Twitter bot where it did the same thing. They had oh, to take yeah. it off uh, because it was learning from the people <laughs> it was interacting with, and that's like, that's a bad right, thing. Enough of this. Thing. I, yeah. I think the key takeaway here is that Don people needs to go terrible. home. <laughs> no, Don needs to go home and apologize to his Alexa because uh, <laughs> when the robots do come for us, that's and right. they will. They're coming after yep. you first. And they, my prescription <laughs> medications. Yeah, they yeah. will remember uh, how you treated them. And Don so. is dead. <laughs> I, I like to think your son goes over and apologizes after you. Like, Alexa, he doesn't mean yeah. it. He's sorry about that. After the show, I'll tell you something. Some of the things I said and the uh, witty responses that it had. Oh, yeah. see, it's learning to. Yeah. It's, I, that would be a nice setting that you could tell it. You know what? You you can give me a little snark back, Alexa. That's fine. I don't mind. It's just playful ribbing. Yeah, some playful ribbing. So uh, we we talked about the podcast a little bit ago, the uh, Inspirational Leaders podcast. So uh, where can people find that? It's just uh, is that on all the Apple Podcasts and Google Play and all those places. Yeah, yeah, it's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and a couple of other major ventures. So yeah, it's there. It's out there. Fantastic, and I've got the website for that one here as well. Well, we'll, we'll put that link in the. Uh, it's a long link, so I'll put that in the, the description uh, for people to take a look at. And then you're also working on a book as well. Can you tell us a little bit about the that project? Oh yeah. So uh, on the lines of these podcast uh, show as well, which is on the topic of inspirational leadership, right? So I'm currently engaged with a couple of publishers to come up with a book on art of leadership. So it's a work in progress and it will soon be launched on Amazon Kindle and even the hard copies also would be available for the sale. So, uh, I mean, but, but, but I still, uh, you know, uh, think that you might ask me that why leadership itself? I mean, what is the drive behind that? So, uh, I mean, the thought process behind this was that, in my opinion, in the current era of brand marketing and uh, branding, we have more influencers out there compared to inspirational leaders and role models. So uh, I personally have been lucky enough to have known few such leaders who really uh, understood leadership and its core building blocks. And, and, and I've been involved with them on a couple of engagements. And uh, another important aspect of leadership is empowerment. And, and especially with this uh, current pandemic situation, uh, this, 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 this can't be stretched, uh, stressed upon more than ever enough. And, uh, and that's the part which is more often than not sidelined a bit. And, and, I, and I've tried to illustrate this in my book as well with a couple of uh, real life correlations. So yeah, I mean, th these have been the driving factors towards my uh, current engagement about the podcast and the upcoming book. I promise that was my next question. I was going to ask that. <laughs> so thank you so much uh, for taking the time to join us today. We really appreciate. Uh, I know I know it's late there, so uh, thanks for getting on with us. And uh, I think we learned a lot about AI and machine learning and, and all the stuff you're working on. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks and, a lot. Yeah. And, and next time we have some big uh, AI news or something, we will we will definitely reach out. But uh, we're going to take a quick break right now, and then we're going to come back with the news. So stay tuned for more Technado with Don Pazette coming up right after this. The IT Pro TV app is available for iOS and tvOS. The modern user interface makes navigation easy. Recently watched videos can be found on the home screen, as well as our daily live streams. Choose landscape mode for larger viewing. Access the entire course library by clicking on the play icon. Navigate our content by category, certification, and job role. Learn where you want and when you want as a premium annual member by downloading episodes for offline viewing. Watch on the go and pick up later on any of your favorite devices. So head to the App Store and download the IT Pro TV app. All right, welcome back to TechNado with Don Pazette. Thank you so much to Utkarsh for joining us there and teaching us so much about what Don has done to disrespect <laughs> the robots uh, in his life. And they are they are upset. You know, I I, uh, <laughs> I don't know what the word for it is. Like, you know, if you you can be racist against a certain race. What, what is it if you are anti-robot? 
That's a good question. I because I I feel that I am a little. Oh yeah, anti-robot. you totally are. Yeah, yeah. You're an anti-dentite. <laughs> anti-dentite. Next, you'll be saying they should have their own school. Twenty years from now, I'll be on Maury Povich's show, and uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'll be a robot. And right. You'll have like a robot kid, and yeah. yeah. I don't think he robot loves me. Maury. <laughs> robot Maury. My dad hates robots. What should I do? He could yeah. do the DNA test like that. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't approve of my robot marriage. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this could get bad real quick. Yeah. Hey, speaking of get bad real quick, next week is our 200th episode. Did you guys know that? What? Yeah. And we are celebrating with a, a YouTube. No, they haven't. <laughs> the FTC hasn't heard about this <laughs> one yet. Uh, they we only shut down trying. if you have more than, than 10 uh, viewers. That's when they, they get on the radar. Yeah. Maybe next time. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Uh, but next week, we're going to be on YouTube live uh, to live record the show before we put it out. And it will be on Thursday, the 22nd of April at 2 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. Going to have giveaways, um, T-shirts, uh, stickers. I got the... Ooh, hold on. Get the new the sticker stickers. sheet there with all the I heard it on Technado with Don Pizzette, and I get my news from Technado with Don Pizzette. Uh, I gave mine to my, there. my little girls. They love them. Perfect. They got them all over their bed. You <laughs> cut, cut out the little cows and stuff and put them on there. Oh, yeah. we're zooming in. Oh, there it yeah. is. Give yeah, it, check give that out. Give the people out. what they want. The people listening on audio, it's it's a sticker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> actually, I think Courtney was zooming in on your horrible nail care. I know, yeah, <laughs> my, my manicure issues yeah. there. I'll get that taken care of before the you live should. show. You should, uh, of course. But yeah, check that out. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're also giving away an IT Pro TV membership, a one-year mm-hmm. membership. So that'd be cool. Oh, and I didn't even mention we got Network Chuck as our our guest uh, guest appearance next I've week. Heard of that guy? Yeah. yeah, me too. He's on the YouTube's. He's on. Yeah, he's on the internet. Yeah. Um, He's an influencer. So he must be famous. He has yeah. five Ferraris. Yeah, he's he going to. five Ferraris. He's going to talk about his detox <laughs> yeah, How does that work? These people are making money, so much money. Yeah, because they're like fighting Floyd Mayweather. Or they already have Mayweather a bunch of money. And then they said, I'm just going to make a YouTube channel and show people my five Ferraris. That's the way you do it. I, I heard it's a Google program where they just give you the Ferraris, but then you have to jump one Ferrari uh, with the other Ferrari for a video. That. And I can yeah. do that. Google, hit me up. All right, so the news this week. <laughs> Lots of great news. Our first article comes to us from Tom'sHardware.com. Microsoft uses boiling liquid to cool data centers. Now, is is this an accident? Was this was this a mistake? Did they turn on the red handle instead of the blue? <laughs> no. So this is a specific design, and, and I, I thought the headline had to be wrong in, in the beginning. But once I read it, it actually does make sense. Uh, many of you have probably seen submerged computers before, right? So it used to be kind of a hobbyist thing that you could take a aquarium, fill it up with mineral spirits, and is that right? Yeah, mineral is it spirits, mineral right? Spirits? Yeah, because it's uh, not conductive. Or is it mineral oil? Oil. oil. It's oil. There we go. Yeah. Whatever it is, check before you drip, <laughs> dip your computer. People are dumping mineral spirits in their <laughs> right It's now. like paint thinner, right? Damn you, Don Pizzette. You can fill it up with mineral oil, and then you could actually stick your motherboard in there while it was powered on, and, and the system would run just fine, submerge a mineral, because it was non-conductive, and it didn't damage the electronics. Right. Well, I mean, you never actually really are able to get it clean after that, but once it's in there, it's fine. And you could run the computer that way, and it would stay super cool because all the heat the computer generated was being dissipated into the oil. So that's been around a long, long time. I think I saw that the first time probably 20 years ago. But what Microsoft has done is taken it a step further, and they have created a a secret liquid, which they're not revealing the formula for. Um, But basically, it is a non-conductive boiling liquid with a really low boiling point. Uh, Oh, see, that's what. So I'm thinking water originally. So so this one boils at 122 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, normal water boils at something like 210, 212, 212. So, uh, it boils at a way lower number, right? So when your processor reaches that heat, it boils the liquid around the processor, which turns it into vapor. And the, the heat, even if it doesn't turn to vapor, the heat is going to go up to the top of the tank where they have a chiller at the top to cool it back down again. So heat is constantly moving away from the components, which allows it to cool really, really fast. So it's a pretty neat solution they've come up with. We'll learn more about it over the next few years. But the, the reason they're doing it is, uh, we have this thing called Moore's law. Have you guys heard of Moore's law? Yeah where processors are supposed to reduce by size in half oh, every right. couple of yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. But eventually there comes a point where the transistors in a processor become as small as they're going to get. And I think it was uh, last year or the year before, they released transistors that were the size of an atom. And That's small. That's hard probably to get smaller than that. Get, yeah. <laughs> and so what's going to happen is when you can't get any smaller... You have to add more cores. More cores mean more heat, and more heat needs to be dealt with. And so Microsoft is looking for creative ways to deal with that. 
this is a creative way to deal with that. You got to be careful though. You don't want to stick this next to your fish tank and then be feeding your computers fish flakes. That would be a problem. Yeah, unless you uh, maybe bred some kind of special fish that could live in there. Oh, I thought I thought cool. you meant bread, like put breading on the fish because then you can dip it in the oil. <laughs> I meant more like delicious. genetic. Uh, <laughs> make your own fish sticks. I don't think that's how this works. But here, okay, here's genetic my question. Bread. Now bear, bear with me here. If I've got boiling liquid. Yeah. And it is boiling, turning into vapor, and that's coming to the top. That's producing a steam of sorts. Now, can I then ga- gra- uh, grab that energy back and put that back into power of the computer? Oh, so not the energy piece, but it is a enclosed system. So the hot liquid or steam goes to the top where it's cooled, and so then it becomes a liquid again and sinks back down. So it is a closed cycle. Uh, which is nice. You don't have to add more liquid to it. I mean, I'm sure you lose yeah. some over time, but it, it really retains it. Uh, but you're not able to convert that to, to actual energy. Maybe maybe you can, right? But it would be very inefficient. Well, I'm I think. guessing yeah, that you'd be the, using more the than cooling you. system itself in the tank that's cooling the oil is taking up energy as well, but nowhere near as much as traditional yeah. fan-cooled. Systems. That's what they that's what they indicate was that uh, for a data center compared to things like the chillers that we use in data centers, this yeah. consumes way less energy. Did they give any kind of numbers or just way no less total top secret? Uh, uh, yeah, nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, like when you that. said submerged, I thought you were talking about like when because it was Microsoft that, that had that tank basically where they submerged in the ocean, things in yeah. the yeah the North Atlantic somewhere. But uh, now imagine if you filled that up with, with the same liquid. That could be super, uh, super yeah. efficient. But that, I, th- I wonder, uh, I'd like to see a comparison between us two because it's like super cold at the bottom of the ocean. So you stick all these data centers at the bottom of the ocean. You don't have to worry about cooling. You just let the things run and the ocean cools it. It's kind of the same idea, I guess. Yeah. But just in a more, it seems more practical to do it that way than develop all these oils. And with, with that one, you know, they had a thousand servers that were in that sort of a submarine but like yeah. a capsule and they just planned on hardware dying and not getting it back and right. so they, they with plan this on, you can actually reach in and yeah because it would be right there in your yeah. data center you could position it wherever you wanted mm. well this article has shown me how little i know about like thermodynamics <laughs> so i've got some some reading to do all right our next article uh is also about microsoft and comes to us from arstechnica.com microsoft acquires nuance makers of dragon speech recognition for 16 billion dollars and i think it said this is uh uh, Microsoft's second largest deal in terms of of cash, but uh, what what does this mean for for people like us as Microsoft users? Is this we're going to see built into Word now? Well, it's hard to say. Uh, maybe so. Microsoft already has a lot of speech to text technology with Cortana and their investment they've made there. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of people are saying that Microsoft doesn't actually want the Dragon technology or Nuance's technology. That instead they want their customer base, right? Oh. Because this software okay. is used in hospitals all across the world, really, especially heavily here in the United States. Medical transcriptionists use it. So this is like an instant in for Microsoft in pretty much any medical environment. So that that's how a lot of people are looking at this. I, the article says it is 77% of U.S. hospitals already use this software. Uh, but we might see it. it. It does actually work really well. Like if you've ever done not just talking to Cortana, but dictated an email into Outlook or Word, it it's not perfect, right? It, yeah. it has flaws as far as like what's built into Microsoft's OS already. So I could see them integrating Dragon Naturally Speaking or, or whatever it's called into the, the system. I, I have to say whatever it's called because it, there's a whole sad story attached to this. Do you guys know the the sad story of, of Dragon? Dragon? No. no. So it was founded by a couple. Um, oh, the wife's name was Janet. I can't remember the husband's name, uh, but Baker was the last name. So uh, Janet and her husband... They created this company, Dragon, and uh, the original program was called Dragon Speak Naturally. I and then, it was naturally speaking. So right. it became that later gotcha. on, right? And they grew that company from nothing. And in 2000, they were acquired for some, it was something like $800 million in stock, which that's, that's, that's pretty a lot good. Of money. Yeah. $800 million in stock in another company. Uh, and that other company turns out had fraudulent bookings. Sweet. Uh, they had reported all these sales in Asia that didn't exist and overnight became worthless. And oh, no. so they ended up just getting, they were able to sell some stock and get a few million dollars and that was it. They were out. And so, you know, they got three, five million dollars, something of that nature. Meanwhile, Microsoft just paid over $16 billion for it and the bakers are, you know, not getting any of that. So oh, it's, no. it's kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah, I played the sad. I was waiting to play. I wasn't sure if it was like a really tragic story in terms of like 
people were killed or something. They so, didn't die, but yeah. I mean, the dream, make the creation I mean, was... they only had a couple of million dollars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. yeah. But it's not a horrible... I mean, that's a first world problem, but I, I but it's understand... it's no $16 in the, billion. In the relative, relatively, for how much money this is now selling for and how much money they made off with, yeah, that's, that's a little on the unfair side, but... Yep. That's so good. That's I business. Guess. Yeah. That's why you never accept all stock. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I want some cash on the barrel head yeah. here, buddy. <laughs> well, it'll be interesting to see what Microsoft does with this, and, and I'm sure we'll watch for that recently. I mean, I know last week we talked about them shutting down Cortana uh, on, on mobile devices. So, hey, maybe it comes back and sounds like a dragon now. You know, they did have the, the dragon app for Android for a little while. Who knows? Maybe they'll bring that back. We shall see. All right. Well, our next article comes to us from Wired.com. What really caused Facebook's 500 million user data leak? The company's explanations have been confusing and inconsistent. Shocking. <laughs> but there are finally some answers. So I assume the answers didn't come from them. Did, did, did a third party get in there and, and take a look at what happened? So third parties are starting to string together bits and clues to try and figure this out. So, uh, you know, Facebook, there's a few challenges here, and they have not released any real details on this. So all we have is a, a vague statement that says back in 2019, there was an incident, a, a bug in their API that allowed one vendor to be able to get in there and be able to scrape data out. And actually, I don't think it was a vendor. I think it was an external organization that was or an entity that was able to get in and do this. Uh, and they were able to do things like pull public information from millions of profiles and they were able to use the password reset mechanism to be able to figure out people's phone numbers through the password reset system. So there were a few different things that happened that went to creating this huge database. Now, Facebook knew about it. They patched the flaw and even made a mention of it back in 2019 saying, oh, yeah, you know, we found this little problem. We patched it. No big deal. No bigs. Don't worry about it. Uh, and they didn't do any notification. And then here we are in 2021 where that database of information that was harvested has been posted publicly online where anybody can get at it. And now people are looking back at that 2019 announcement and saying, wait a minute, you said this wasn't a big deal, but here's all the data. What, what's up with that? Well, that's, you know, obviously a security issue. We talk about those on the show all the time. But this one has some bigger ramifications. In 2018, GDPR took effect, right? So those are the privacy regulations that are a part of the EU. And, the, and, and Facebook is wrapped up on that because they store data on EU citizens. And you know there's that, that kind of data inside of this data dump that's happened. And according to the, the GDPR, you have to do a notification of a breach within 72 hours. And you need to notify the people that were affected. Well, Facebook's had two years now, and they haven't notified even the privacy regulators. Uh, and, and they've said they don't intend to notify the users because they think this information is non-sensitive and public and, and that's it. So I feel like the EU has just been waiting for an opportunity to wallop Facebook with a record-setting fine. And this is setting us up for it. This is going to be a billions upon billions of dollars. Like they, they I, I built it, the penalty for, I did for the Facebook. Math. I think it's going to be right around four billion dollars. Because it was it was twenty million dollars or four percent of, of your, your revenue, revenue, whichever is greater. Yearly, yeah, 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 whichever is greater. And what and I that saw would be about was four billion. They were like eighty six something billion dollars a year revenue from what I could find. And then, you know, you do the math on that, and it yeah. rolls around right around four bill. Although, honestly, if you hit them with a $4 billion fine, they just pay it Yeah, they go just on. keep going. Yeah. yeah, they're like, do you want cash? Or I mean, who, <laughs> gets, who gets that money is the question. Uh, who gets the $4 billion, and then what do they get to use it for? Oh, the EU regulators. Oh, it's they, just like in the U.S. stick it in their pocket and yeah. go home like, man. <laughs> so that, that happens here in the U.S. all the time, awesome. right? So like when there's a monopoly suit, like when, when Microsoft had to pay that fine uh, for the monopoly lawsuits back in the 90s, yeah. uh, you know, they, they ended up having to pay, it was a few hundred million, okay. if I recall correctly. And that didn't go to the competitors they quashed, right? right. It didn't go to Novell or whoever else. It goes to the government. It, it goes to the government, yeah. Yeah, and, they, and and their uh, their team meeting next year was in Acapulco. Okay. The, uh, the regulators they had a nice nice time. Regulators, <laughs> mount up, guys. We're going to Acapulco. So that's why they're able money. to make that, that music video. That's right. Yeah. That's so, right. so the question is now: uh, the UK is out of the the EU. Would they still get a little taste? Because this would have happened. <laughs> well, you know they're hiring these hackers to do this, so they get that GDPR yeah. money. So uh, the UK has their own set of privacy regu regulations, which pretty much match GDPR. So there yeah. is something they could do. But because this infraction happened while they were under the EU, that's where that's going to happen. And I doubt they'll get a taste. We'll, we'll have to see. 
Yeah, because then that would be in pounds. Yeah. And that's yeah. a whole different yeah. crazy That's a whole different thing. You're right. <laughs> to figure that out. Well, uh, <laughs> that's math. a mess. So I, I'm sure we'll hear more about that one uh, as, as that comes out. And maybe this is the one that finally shuts down Facebook. All right. Our next article is actually uh, one of my favorites from the Behind Bars segment. And let's uh, go ahead and play that intro. The law, mm. and you will go to jail. You just take that iPad, yeah. and throw it in the room. We use Bluetooth. <laughs> <laughs> we use Bluetooth for that. Well, we used to have a Bluetooth receiver like duct taped to the side of a, a desk right? over there because it was like behind all this yeah. stuff, and all there's all the other you know computer paraphernalia back there. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm assuming that moved. Anyhow, uh, this one is from the record.media. They paid for that .media domain. <laughs> it's important. <laughs> good, good for them. By the way, I was looking at, at Technado uh, URLs the other day, and there's some great extensions that I think we should pick just because they have nothing to do with, with Dot .museum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Technado .museum. Let's do it. All right. Uh, this article is U.S. arrests suspect who wanted to blow up AWS data center. And... Uh, yeah, that's, you know, it's funny, but it's not funny because we talk about what happened in Nashville yeah. uh, a, f- a few months back. And that was that was an AT&T center that that, uh, you know, this this could have been a very similar situation. Yeah, I think uh, we are moving into a new era of domestic terrorism. So last year we had the incident where people were attacking 5G towers. So, you know, that would take out cell phone reception in an area. Uh, but then with Nashville, that was a bigger deal. So this was a IT worker who was targeting an AT&T facility because they knew they could take down a portion of the Internet. And they were successful. It worked, right? Uh, so now other people are looking at that and saying, what can we target? And this person, Seth Aaron Pendley, 28-year-old from Wichita Falls, uh, decided he was going to do that, that he was going to target AWS. Now, if you go to Amazon's AWS website, it will tell you that they have regions, right? Data centers that are all over the place and multiple data centers in certain regions. Those are the availability zones. And their biggest one is in Virginia, uh, up by D.C., but they don't tell you the address, right? It's a secret. And if you were to drive by the building, there's no signage on it. It doesn't say, welcome to Amazon US East 1 or anything Just a, like that. a really big cable running into the side, though, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they look like big tan warehouses, mm. except they have cement walls instead of metal walls. Uh, but it's kind of like the worst kept secret in IT, that if you go on to Google Maps and pan around inside of, of Google Maps and, and poke around the areas, you can actually spot the buildings. They're even labeled as being owned by Amazon because they don't hide that part. Uh, so you can figure out where they are. And so this guy said, all right, well, AWS is now hosting websites for the FBI and other organizations, right? So Amazon has the GovCloud, which is, is just for government services. And so he decided he was going to blow one up, uh, which honestly would probably take down a decent portion of, uh, of resources. Now, the U.S. government is a little bit uh, free with their cash when it comes to building solutions. So a lot of redundancy is likely there. I, I don't think this would have been an effective attack if he had pulled it off. But fortunately, they were able to find him and arrest him before he could do anything. And uh, AWS stays up another day. Yeah, and, and but definitely these are, you know, there's a lot of computers and, and hardware at these situations, but there's also people, you know, yeah. uh, t- security techs and things like that. How so. did they find this guy? Oh, so this guy was already on the radar. Uh, oh. You know, he he was actually at the Capitol riots uh, back mm-hmm. on January 6th. Uh, in fact, they, they even mentioned it in here that he took his uh, assault rifle with him, but he left it in the car for the riot, which, you know, he's I probably like, oh, I forgot it in the car. <laughs> I don't want to go all the way back to the parking that? Whatever, just take a podium. <laughs> <laughs> so so this guy was already on the radar. He, he had was been he posting Horns on some man? websites. Was he that guy? <laughs> <laughs> He was the shaman. Yeah. Yeah, how is this um, not Florida man? Uh, yeah. No, yeah, this Texas one was man. from Texas, but uh, but he is now facing up to 20 years in a federal prison. <laughs> After seeing Office so, Space, it's hard to not so say. So again, uh, I'm still confused. <laughs> so he was on their radar. How did they find this guy? Like well, to uh, so he tried down. to acquire C4 plastic explosives. I, I have yet to see any kind of puzzle piece. At, that comes at the very together. bottom, there's a quote that says. Uh. Uh, this is from the acting U.S. attorney. It says, we're indebted to the concerned citizen who came forward to report the defendant's gotcha. alarming online rhetoric. So yep. see there something, you say something. You know, you if, you, if you see people... Uh, Talking about blowing stuff up. Yeah, and they, he was he was posting be. on a website called mymilitia.com. Okay. Uh, <laughs> which, 
There you go. Uh, apparently is is monitored. And uh, I was going to say, say, who's the who's the citizen who's going? Yeah, I'm on the militia side, sure, but I'm you know. And he was this stating, too far. Yeah. and these are the quotes. Uh, you know, he was basically saying that he had plans to conduct a little experiment uh, that would draw a lot of heat, and it could be dangerous and cause death. So well, uh, he had signaled basically like that he was he planning says, something. Caused, yeah. He's, he's not a criminal mastermind, are we talking yeah. about here, are we? Yeah, well, you know, what are you going to do? It's yeah, nice when they write the evidence down, though, Yeah, for the court. <laughs> yeah. Evil master plan. Yeah. Signed. <laughs> yeah. Kitten lover 420. That's All right. right. Why am I putting a dot of blood on this? I don't know. Uh, so you might be wondering, what does this mean for IT professionals? So let's, let's bring this back <laughs> to our, uh, our wheelhouse here. Uh, it means that while cloud services are great and they do have a lot of redundancy and some of the best infrastructure and engineers working to create them, they are susceptible to really whacked out terrorists like this. And so that is another reason for you to use multiple regions when you deploy. Not multiple AZs, availability zones are in the same city. Do multi-region. So with AWS, you might do US East and US West, or you know they have them in Texas now, uh, and Ohio, I think is the you other see, area. If he was really smart, what he would have done was become a coder, get hired at AWS, Put in like a wrong DNS information and then bam, just like Microsoft, your whole system comes crashing down well, and you didn't have to kill anybody to do it. Yeah, but it was only down for a couple well, hours. I think you know, you get your point across, yeah. right? <laughs> but but to, your, to your point, you know, with the redundancies in place, uh, you know, the other zones would be picking stuff up. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. It's just it's something we have to plan for, though, right? So if you deploy in AWS, you're not multi-region by default. It's yeah. up to you to be multi-region. So uh, it, it's where we implement control over our, our deployment. By the way, I looked it back up. The domain I wanted to get was uh, technado.apartments. <laughs> I thought that would be a good one. $70. 70 bucks? A year. But we'll start well, a, oh, okay. little steep. a We'll start a GoFundMe. Yeah. <laughs> get a Kickstarter going. <laughs> see, see if we can get it. All right. Uh, our next one is actually a Deja News. So let's roll that. News. Hey, it worked. They must have taped the uh, the Bluetooth receiver back up out there. <laughs> Squeaky wheel gets the grease, it's, right? <laughs> it's a real tight ship we're running here, guys. <laughs> All right, uh, this one is from externals.io, another fun domain. This is an update on the git.php.net uh, incident that we talked about. That was just last week, right? Just we last week, about, yep. uh, uh, some. Some things getting into PHP's code that could affect billions and billions of websites, if I recall. Billions. So, uh, billions. you know, you know how Facebook has this breach that they're not really acknowledging and saying it's not a big deal. I heard about that. That's kind of what the PHP team is doing right now. <laughs> so, uh, they reported a breach last week that somebody had pushed some commits to their Git repository and uh, posed as the leader of the PHP project and some other lead developers. Uh, so they reset everybody's password. They abandoned their own on-prem local Git system and then redeployed just in GitHub. So they said, this is an unnecessary security risk. Let's use GitHub. Well, now they've come out and said, well, actually, there wasn't a breach. Uh, not, no, it wasn't a, a breach like we reported, right? But once they share the details, they didn't share all the details of how they were breached. So I don't exactly understand why they're claiming that. But basically, they felt that somebody had gotten into the actual Git server. But it turns out that they didn't get into the Git server. They just compromise the user credentials of the developers through another database that was exposed. So it was it was a different kind of breach <laughs> than the first one. Uh, doesn't really matter. But, I was uh, say at the end of the day, still breach, right? So what <laughs> happened was when they were doing their initial research, they normally, when they would push to Git, they would do it via SSH. And so they were checking all the SSH logs and they only saw legitimate access and they didn't see the entries for this code that was being pushed in. And so they assumed that meant the attackers had gotten direct access to where the repository stored data. It didn't show up in the logs. They must have bypassed it somehow, right? Well, it turns out after doing a little more research that their Git server was also allowing connections via HTTPS, not just SSH. And that other system was bypassing the software they were using to log all the changes. And so the attackers hadn't directly accessed the server. They were still coming in using these compromised credentials. So it is still a breach. It, you know, you do still need to reset your passwords. They do still need to use GitHub and not their own Git repository. It's not worth it. Uh, but it's just a different breach. So they're, they're retracting what they said last week but still putting out there that a breach did occur. But I'll tell you, more than half the headlines that I've seen based on this are saying uh, the PHP team says there wasn't a breach. Well, there was. There absolutely was. Credentials were compromised. Database was released. Like, it was still a breach. Nuh-uh. 
<laughs> that's the evidence against. Right. See, that's how it works. This is yeah. how you argue now. Were you on the debate team? Oh, this man. Is, that was I'm good, good at it, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so not as bad as originally thought. Uh, no, it's still just as bad. Oh, yeah, just yeah. That, just, that just sounds bad. like something Hitler would say. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, you know, it, it's like. Uh, it was a car accident. Five people died. But one car was a Honda. And then the next week they say, well, actually, it wasn't a Honda. It was a Toyota. Uh, that, that, that's yeah. what this Fact is. checkers got you, Blair. <laughs> False. <laughs> Doesn't mean there wasn't an accident. <laughs> yeah. Evoking Hitler is another great debate tactic. Oh, man. You, See, I told you. you I, I've got the skills. You've been in an online forum before, haven't you? Uh, one or two. Now we just need to wait for the one, the one return to end the argument. You suck. Your mom. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> and, and that's it. You're yeah. like, oh, well, you got me. Uh, hey, it's a burn. I guess you got me there. Yeah. <laughs> I concede victory. Speaking of Hitler, makes me think of, we, we haven't done the milkshake duck <laughs> The milkshake ducks. In a while. <laughs> got to bring that back. Got to bring huh? that back. We got to yeah. find somebody else that was we thought was great. And... Stupid duck with stupid little mustache. Yeah. A little <laughs> Nazi duck. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, our next segment is uh, is WTF, and I have turned. I, I just looked at the volume that I have set for this intro that is super loud. It was set to seven out of a hundred. I've I've set it down to four. So okay. let's go ahead and give this a try. Uh, if you're driving, go ahead and pull over uh, for our WTF segment. not as bad. No, it sounds very quiet. <laughs> Almost tolerable. Well, it's, it's lower in our ears, yeah. I think, than it is for for the people at home. But like, I, I barely heard that. Hope you survived I have hearing that. loss. Though. That was the goal, because <laughs> uh, it's really loud. All right, this one, yeah, it pretty, pretty much fits that category. It's from uh, the site health.gov.au, so it's the Australian Government Department of Health, I guess the, kind of the equivalent of the U.S. CDC, and the headline is, is it true? Can COVID-19 vaccines connect me to the Internet? And there's the answer right there, luckily. So, ready for it? <laughs> COVID-19 vaccines do not and cannot connect you to the Internet. Find out more below. Well, they're not going to cop to Thanks, it. Thanks, Captain Obvious. <laughs> yeah. All right. You yeah. know, this is sad on multiple levels. Uh, Australia, obviously not a third-world country. No. Uh, so you know, they, they, they're a player on <laughs> the, the world... world stage yeah yeah um the very many intelligent people there but just like we have here in the u.s and the uk and every other country apparently there's some nutbags <laughs> and there's a lot of conspiracy theories going around one that the covid19 vaccines contain a microchip from bill gates that can help control your brain or wouldn't do it be whatever. elon musk at this point i feel like nah. i mean he's more he's, the evil scientist that, well that's kind of, that's kind of his thing you know? yeah but Bill's so into the Bill's into the vaccines, and, the vaccines and everything true, like that. I guess I see where the I really goes. feel like Jeff Bezos has the evil villain oh, vibe though. He's he bald, does. He's got the suits he wears. Up. Yeah, so he's got I kind of like I kind of like Elon Musk. I know he's got his like weird little problems, yeah, but he's, he's working on the whole space program, so he's getting a pass from me right who's now. Who's the <laughs> Superman guy? Lex Lex, Lex Luthor? Luthor, right? Yeah, this they're saying that's Jeff what Bezos, Jeff Bezos right? is. Yeah. Totally got that vibe going. All right, well. Basically, what they're saying is that in some computer chips, they use various chemicals like hydrogels that allow the computer chips to interface with the human body and nervous system to be able to communicate. So we're seeing this used in some uh, bioengineering, prosthetics, and, and so on. Uh, well, there are hydrogels supposedly in some of these vaccines. Well, the Australian Health Department had to come out and say, well, actually... There aren't any hydrogels in this. That's not what's happening here. It is not something that's allowing you to be interfaced with another computer system or electronic devices or the Internet as a whole. But for this to have been prevalent enough for them to put a post on their website means that multiple people believed that they were now being hooked up to a central monitoring system. So the world's a strange place out there. Is that? Yeah, if, that? If, uh, if Bill Gates really was you know, putting internet connectivity, connectivity into vaccines, wouldn't Africa have like the best and fastest internet, internet right yeah. now? Because that's where he's been <laughs> he's focusing he's his efforts. Yeah. Yeah. And, you, and you don't hear about there, that. Uh, yeah. You don't hear about that. No, so yeah, they use a, uh, a lipid droplet uh, on the mRNA. Uh, but, but here's what's important to note. This, this article specifically says the Pfizer vaccine does not use hydrogels as a component. Uh-oh. Well, there you go. So, by omission. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, and, and I'm assuming that's because Aust each country seems to kind of have their own, their own that, they, uh, that they ran with AstraZeneca and, and a lot of places in Europe or Johnson & Johnson and Moderna and stuff here. So, maybe Pfizer's just a big player uh, down in Australia. Yeah, it could be. In terms could of be. what they have. I or, or maybe heard somebody talking about how there was like a, a video meme of this guy and he was like his doctor and he was getting his COVID shot and... 
and the doctor pulls the needle out and the guy goes finally i've collected all five and he's like what are you talking about <laughs> he's like i've had all the vaccines why be immune when you can be invincible <laughs> and I then he starts like force choking the doctor or something and then he blue screens <laughs> i don't yeah i wonder what that would do if... yeah don't do that by the way yeah don't, and don't mix like, don't yeah. get pfizer for the this first isn't one a COVID then... cocktail that you just get well, to get them all you'd have to get like the sputnik one from russia oh, yeah. and... and i was reading an article like they were saying the chinese one the efficacy rates are very low on yeah. that too so you'd, nice. you'd have to get that but apparently it wouldn't do anything hmm. i guess he just meant the good ones I yeah they, <laughs> the top five yeah yeah i don't want some you know off-brand yeah. generic where'd you get this canada <laughs> got it from bill gates oh, oh hell chip. that'll hook you up to the internet i need that i'm gonna be out in the woods for like 16 years all by myself but i'm sorry uh, if you told me that that uh that the could vaccine hook could hook me up to the internet i might go for that deal uh, like what's the drive so you're, you're gonna track me like you do with my phone, with my phone. and with all the you know, my I'm on social media and everything. Yeah, but imagine getting pop-ups all day long. Ooh, just right. in your brain. Well, if they're advertising, yeah, that would suck. Would it just be like, yeah, subconscious? Like, all of a sudden, it's like, I don't know why, but I'm craving some Burger King. Yeah, <laughs> man, I've got to have a BK broiler. Like, oh, I'm geolocated. It's, I just passed the Burger King. That, that must be <laughs> it. Oh, you're right. Oh, yeah, yeah I guess okay. we got to I'm think with the Australians through. on this then, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Which Australians? The, the ones, ones that yeah, required the article know. to be made? or the. Okay. Well, that's a sad state of affairs um, for the world. But uh, yeah, go out and get that vaccine. Um, and it It'll tell fine. me what to do. Yeah. And if you uh, notice any strange internet connectivity after getting vaccinated, be sure to call me on my 5G cell phone. And, uh, <laughs> well, you can just think it and yeah. it will, it'll, it'll oh, call yeah. Don. Yeah. Yeah. Call Don. All right. I uh, want to let you know about a webinar coming up from IT Pro TV. It is going cloud native with Linux, moving your Linux workload to the cloud. And that is with Tamika Reed, who, was she a guest on TechNado before? Or did you talk to her, Don, for another video? About uh, I interviewed her a long time ago, and I think it was for Live Week, wasn't it? It might have been for Live yeah, Week. Yeah, so it wasn't wasn't on TechNado. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but Tamika's great, and uh, we'll be talking about moving your Linux workload to the cloud. That's Thursday, April 29th at 2 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. So check that out. Go to itpro.tv slash webinars, and you can register for that one and see all of the past webinars as well. And while you're on that internet, head over to go.itpro.tv slash technado for the last time because next week we're launching the new technado website oh, as we part were. of the uh, 200th episode. So that's technado. exciting. Technado.apartments? No, it's actually at angelfire.com uh, forward yeah. slash. Geocities. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good one. We'll see if that's still available. Uh, that'd be great if like GeoCities just let the domain expire when yeah, they when they close, like and now you can just buy it. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's uh, at go.itpro.tv slash technado, and you can get a uh, 30% off coupon code for the lifetime of your subscription uh, for your personal plan. You can also find out all the great information available for Teams uh, with a, a demo for the Teams and see the Pro Portal, all the great things there. Uh, don't worry, that, that coupon code will still exist, um, so you can go ahead and still use that, but uh, be on the lookout for the new site coming soon. Next week, which is our launch of, or not our launch, well, launch of the website, but it's also our 200th episode live. Mentioned uh, Network Chuck going to be joining us, a bunch of giveaways, a bunch of fun. Uh, going to have a good time there. You know what we should do? Maybe me think about it after today. We should we should play Buzzword Bingo again during that. We used to play yeah. that during oh, every yeah. episode. Throw down. Maybe we bring that back for, and but then Don's going to pick the articles accordingly. Yeah. And pack it with things that are on his card. Or we could make a drinking game. Oh, yeah, that'll be a good show. You had me a drinking game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need a, an Uber yeah. <laughs> for the way home, but let's do it. All right, guys. Well, uh, thank you so much to Utkarsh for joining us and teaching us all about the AI and the machine learning. And, and just in this episode, in, in this time, the machines have learned we so much more experts. about us. Yeah. No, we haven't learned anything. The machines have. <laughs> the machines did it, yeah. They know all about us now. So... All right, thanks, guys, and uh, we'll see you next week right here on Technado with Don Pizzette.